This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. We are back with another episode of Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. Tyler Mooney, Colin Lockern here with me. Again, here actually means here, which is so much fun. I'm Chris Hennessy, and boys, we have a lot to get to just after one week. Two extensions for defensemen, relatively locally. Obviously, Charlie McAvoy up in Boston. A tough start for the Isles, an interesting start for the Rangers, and only one game so far for New Jersey, and an expected terrible start for the Chicago Blackhawks. Boys, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. A lot of great hockey going on around the league. Connor McDavid with that 10th hat trick of his career over in Edmonton. So many great games so early, and it's only going to get better as the season progresses. Exactly, yeah. I'm super excited to be back here in studio again. And definitely some interesting starts for the local teams. Some unexpected starts on all three fronts, you could say. So excited to get into all of it. Yeah, for sure. And let's start with the Islanders just because they play tonight. Uh, They play Chicago, which I hope is the cure-all for what's been a really bad start. Uh, They played against two really good teams, though. And I think that that's a fair... Fair thing to say. They play against Carolina and Florida. They lose 6-3 and 5-1, respectively. Real bad start, Tyler, considering this is the, what they pride themselves on as the defense and 11 goals against in, in about three days. Exactly. That's the first thing in my notes. If you're the New York Islanders and you're giving up 5-6 to six goals a game, you're definitely not winning. Granted, basically no teams in NHL are going to win giving up that many goals, but especially the Islanders, a team that prides themselves on defense and winning these low-scoring games because they don't have the offense to match up with you know these shootout games that they've been in so far and it's been a rough start for Ilya Sorokin I would assume that we would see Varlamov tonight well he's still hurt he's still, oh yeah you're right he's still but hurt, they're so. saying he's coming back for the weekend back to back because yeah he's Sorokin was not looking great in those two games this weekend it is going to be a tough start for the Islanders I mean 13 straight games on the road I think going into that you kind of have to temper expectations they're not going to get off to these amazing starts that we've seen those last two two seasons. But, yeah, they need to win tonight against a Blackhawks team that I'm sure we'll get into it, but they have been struggling. And it's going to be a must-win, really, for both of these teams to try. Neither of them have a win yet. But for the Islanders, I think tonight is going to be a big game just to kind of get back to the brand of hockey that they know how to play, keep the puck out of their net. Coming into the season, I really thought the Isles were the class of the Metro, especially considering how close they were last year against a Tampa Bay team that is great as we know and they made key additions right they got Zidane Ochara which helps their defensive front but really Tyler I think you hit all the points Ilya Sorokin's been awful to start 0.855 save percentage has allowed 10 goals already then on the offensive side you know the Zizekas line has been very very bad I mean you're getting back Matt Martin which should help it's going to help form that identity line that made last year's playoff run so special but that line right now has no goals yet only 13 shots on net You can't win that way, especially when your style is to be physical. That identity line is going to be important as the season progresses because it's the way they're going to end up beating Tampa Bay if they should get that far. You have to play physical. It's a hallmark of Trotz's coaching style, and this team has to get back on track towards winning hockey. Yeah, the Martin injury, this is why Lou Lamorello was a crazy person. Martin injured his ankle in March of last year. So he played half the regular season, all of the playoffs with an injured ankle, got ankle surgery. They said that the recovery was going, quote, as well as as well as expected, which meant he was always going to miss the entire preseason and time during the during the regular season. 
and we didn't know about it until he didn't show up for training camp. So that's just the 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 fortress that Lou Lamorello has created uh, in all all of his stops. But now we see it with the Islanders. Um, but yeah, getting him back is going to be huge. Ross Johnson was not great in that role. Uh, Leo Komarov was placed on waivers, and unfortunately for the cap sheet of the Islanders, was not claimed. Um, so he'll be back on the team eventually and probably get first-line minutes at some point and just just tear the soul out of me. And I, <laughs> like, I get it. He's a veteran guy, but I don't know. There's nothing that Leo Komarov does that Casey Zizekas doesn't do better. That's been my point since, since he got here. But that's not the point. I, I think that tonight is a must-win game, which is stupid to say in Game 3. But if you can't beat Chicago, then the whole – the whole idea of it being, you know, oh, two better opponents or two opponents who are just as good as you early in the season kind of goes out the window because Chicago's looked really, really bad. And, um, yeah, I, I think that they have to win tonight. And the next games are against Columbus and Arizona. So if we're not sitting here next week with a 3-2 and two team, I think we got some problems personally. But uh, that, that's just how I see it. And b- before that first game against Carolina, they re-signed Ryan Pulak to an extension. He's playing his last year of a $5 million <laughs> deal. $6.15 million is the AAV for the next eight years of Ryan Pulak, so through the 2030 season. Um, this is a, a great, great contract. Um, you lock up both Pelican and Pulak for a combined $12 million in the same summer that Darnell Nurse and Seth Jones got nine and a half apiece individually. Um, I think that they have been, you know, two halves of one of the top shutdown pairs in the entire league for the last two years. And and if you if you had told me I was super happy about a long term extension for both Pelik and Pulak about four years ago, Pulak I would have I would have believed Pelik I certainly would not have. Um, yeah, I, I would have been very surprised. So this is this is a huge huge deal for the Islanders to get Pulak under contract for the next uh, nine years now. Yeah, I mean it's it, it is it was a huge deal for them to get that done, and it is a huge deal too when you know look at the at the balance sheet and the cap sheet of the New York Islanders. There are some questions about this defense moving forward. They only have the, the they only have three defensemen under contract for the following season. They have four RFA's slash UFCs after this year. Two of those guys are Zdeno Chara and and Andy Green, who at this point in their career you can't really factor on them much farther past this this season now and then Scott Mayfield another key part of that defense is a UFA the following season so to get their two top guys locked up at very reasonable prices for the foreseeable future you said it Chris they form what I think is probably the top shutdown pair in the National Hockey League and now you don't have to worry about them going anywhere for the rest of this Islanders window so I think it's a great move for the Islanders he will be under contract for you know a very long time there is obviously the chance with as there is with all long contracts, at the end of this contract, his play could decline. But it's so much easier to, you know, say it's the final year or two of his contract to either eat that contract or maybe move it at $6 million per year versus at some of these contracts we've seen, nine, nine and a half. Those contracts, by the end, are going to be practically immovable. So I think this was a great contract for the Islanders. Right, and from a hockey standpoint, Pulak is a great player. I mean, 17 Absolutely. points last year, two goals, 15 assists, six points in that playoff run. Played every game, led the Isles in time on ice per game, 13th in the NHL in blocks last season. He does exactly what you need a solid defenseman to do, right? He leads the team in blocks this year so far as well, even though they haven't played great. You know, that's a critical factor there. I mean, the only thing that concerns me about this contract, as you said, Tyler, is the time associated with it. 
Anytime I see eight years on any contract in sports, I get a little bit nervous, especially considering Pulak is 27 years old. There is that concern that the play will decline. But for a team that's trying to win now and keep their, their guys happy, I think this works for the time being. And I think he'll, he'll only be 35 at the end of it, I think, because he just turned 27. Right. So I think he'll be 35 at the end of that 2030 season, which, yeah, 35 is old, but it's not 37 or 38, uh, like some of these other contracts take these guys to. Um, so overall, I do like it. Just one thing on Sorokin before we move on, and we'll talk about McAvoy and then get into the Ranger game. Um, it's concerning to me because I don't know how if Varley gets a second contract here. Because he's got two years left. He's got the same amount of time that Barzell does. They're going to need the money to sign him, obviously, Barzell. And the idea is that Sorokin is the goaltender future. So that is concerning to me. Um, and obviously we'll see tonight uh, if if he's able to to perform at, at the starter level. I mean, he was really, really good last year. It's stupid to be concerned about two games, but he's been really bad. Exactly. It's only been two games. So I feel like, you know, we can – it has been a very bad two games for the Islanders, but two games at that. If they, like you said, Chris, if they go out, they take care of business against the Blackhawks and then Arizona and Columbus, two teams that are expected to be towards the bottom of the league this year, and they're sitting pretty at 3-2 and two the following week, next time we record. It's is not, uh, th- th- these past two games, they're bad two games, but that's all they are. So I think tonight is a huge night for the Islanders, and if you can see Sorokin have a bounce-back game, I think that would alleviate a lot of stresses on Long Island. With Varlamov out, Sorokin has a chance to step up and really claim that job. I've been a proponent of Varlamov. I think he should be the guy going forward. I'm not a big fan of goalie tandems, personally. I understand that it works. It's worked before. It worked last year for the Isles all the way through. But I'd like to see what Varlamov does when he does come back and then maybe compare that to Sorokin's play just to get a sense of where they're at in that. Yeah, that's fair. And there was a lot of talk about Sorokin's North American transition last year to his struggles at the beginning of the year and he turned that around so no reason to be concerned all right we'll talk about McAvoy quickly because it relates to Pulak and then we'll get into what was a fantastic game last night between the Rangers and the Leafs Charlie McAvoy at the age of 23 signs an eight-year an eight-year extension right yeah through the through the 29-30 season as well um at nine and a half million dollars that'll go until he is 33 so he might be able to cash in again maybe um but the Bruins keep around their guy for the for the rest of the uh, 2020s, as we mentioned with Nick Suzuki last week. I'm just going to keep saying it because <laughs> I, it, it really grosses me out. Um, but this is a great contract. All, all sides of him, yeah, $9.5 million is expensive, but he's a top five defenseman in the NHL now. So, I mean, I was a little bit surprised he didn't take a bridge deal and, and try to absolutely break the bank at the end of the flat cap era and go for over 10. Um, but... He went for the full eight, and uh, he'll be a Bruin for a long, long time. Yeah, I was also kind of surprised he didn't try and go for a bridge deal, but at the same time, if you got $70 million sitting in front of you, I could see how that might be hard to say no to. But Right, uh, but if you have 28 yeah, with I the guess. promise of 84 <laughs> in three years, it's, it's like, tough. you know, I don't, it's, it's tough. obviously it's stupid. They're stupid numbers. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> it's a problem that I wish... I wish I had. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this was a great contract for both sides. I think I absolutely agree he's a top-five defenseman in the NHL. I think that him, Adam Fox, and Kale McCarr are going to be the 2020s version of what we saw in the 2010s with Carlson, Dowdy, and Hedman. I think sure. those are going to be the three top guys, and I don't think it's a matter of if Charlie McAvoy is going to win Norris. I think it's a matter of when. 
the only knock on him is that his, you know, production as a power play quarterback hasn't been the best. But if he can, you know, fix that, turn that around, which playing in Boston, you're playing with guys like Pasternak, Taylor Hall now, you're definitely going to get the chance to get points on the power play. If he can do that and that adds, you know, maybe 10, 15 points to a season total, I think that could be the key to unlock a Norris trophy for this guy. The offense is going to be key for him. Right now, the guy just signed the largest contract in Bruins history, most lucrative ever, which is saying a lot with the history of the Bruins and how far back that franchise goes. But, you know, I I see this similarly to how I see the deal with Pulak. He gives you a lot of ice time. You know, he gave you 24 minutes, 18 seconds against Dallas in the opener. But as you said, Tyler, that offense is lagging. Only 0.52 points a game. Wants to get closer to that elusive one-point-a-game mark. He really doesn't shoot effectively on net. Only 91 of his shots last year actually landed on goal. You know, but as you said, he's solid on defense. Really good at transitions through the neutral zone. Creates a nice title push. But at the end of the day, I see this deal purely as Boston getting their guy. Went to BU. Loves it there. I remember after they lost in 2019, McAvoy was one of the guys saying how much that series meant to him. And he wanted to bring a Stanley Cup back to Boston. This is one of those deals where they took care of their guy. The bigger question for me, how is Adam Fox going to be paid? Because if this is what Charlie McAvoy has managed to earn, and I have my questions offensively about him, Fox should be breaking the bank when his time comes. Am I wrong? Not at all. We talked about this last week with the Zabanajad extension, that Fox will probably get paid at the end of the year just because he's an RFA. But 9.5-10 is not out of the question. I think think he... I mean, look at the contracts that have been signed this year. Seth Jones, nine and a half. Well, McEvoy, I think Fox could start with nine and a half. He says, okay, he this is my starting point. That That's true, but then take, take it to the other side of town, what we just talked about. Those guys are taking a discount to play on a team that's going to try to win a Stanley Cup. So if the Rangers have a good year this year, Fox has another solid year. Maybe he's top 10 Norris. and But you have Panarin at 11 and a half and Zibanejad at eight and a half. They might say, look, you got to take seven and a half, eight, instead of ten, to to make all of this work. That That's the only way he doesn't make nine and a half, ten. Agreed. You would hope that he would do that, too. I mean, he did kind of force his way to the Rangers. Kind of? <laughs> Jeez, be, Louise. Blunder, he did force his way to the Rangers, his boyhood team. So, I mean, obviously there's no worry. I have zero concern He's not that Adam Fox will go anywhere. But it is, yeah, just a matter of where those negotiations lie. He could, if he wanted, start at 9.5. That that might be a tough pill for the Rangers to swallow, but we'll see what happens. I don't think that's his discount to take, personally. I don't think he should but be But it's not out of Pellix, either. Fair, fair. I don't, I, I'd say more so it's not Foxes, considering what they each have done for their team with the talent around them. I think Fox has done more for a Rangers team that was meh last year than Pellick has done for an Isles team that was good last year. That's fair, and the Rangers are going to have the space. They are they have five point seven free right now, plus Strom's four and a half, and he's going to go. He's going to have to go, um, so they'll have the space to do it. That's not my argument. My argument is, if he gets paid seven and a half or eight, don't firestorm Chris Drury's office because of it. Um, it's because he's trying to be a part of a, a cup winning team. That that's more my point than anything. Um, speaking of the Rangers, what a game last night, Colin. I know your socks were on. I hope you were able to flip over. I was flipping over as fast as I could between them. Because as somebody who was double screening, this was the more entertaining of the games last night. (laughs) Um, A three-on-three overtime that 
I don't think words can actually describe. You have to go to YouTube and watch this if you haven't yet. It's incredible. Shesterkin comes all the way out to the hash marks to make a save at one point. Jack Campbell flashed the leather a couple times, and it ends It ends with a fluky goal, and I'm not just saying that because the Rangers scored it. It sucked that it didn't end with like some sick dangle between the legs goal because that's how that overtime deserved to end. It ended with one of the Rangers' very few face-off wins of the game. I think they lost like 74% of the face-offs. Face it was unbelievable it was how many face-offs. It was 36 to 14 at one point. Ugh, I mean, it was period. insane. Um, and it was Igor. It was Igor Knight in Toronto. Uh, 40 saves, 17 in the second period. He was absolutely incredible. Um, and, hey, after a brutal, brutal first game and second game, kind of, the Rangers have salvaged five points out of the last three games since that Washington game. Uh, they look pretty good while doing it, um, and Panarin and Sabanajad get get running here with their first goals of the of the season last night. I'll start off with, and I saw this. Uh, this was a pretty common sentiment on Twitter. If that game had like that that overtime was absolutely incredible. If that game had then had to go to a shootout, that would have been such a buzzkill. <laughs> I'm to- I hate ties. I am totally fine. Give me. Give me like a eight to ten minute three on three overtime, and if nobody scores, then fine, it's a tie. I'm totally fine with that. Neither goalie deserved deserved a loss. Exactly, last night. that was that then, that was more than like the greatness of the play. The play was the play was great, um, but Jack Campbell does not deserve a loss on his record for what he did in that overtime. He was sick too. Yeah, that was an out. That was I mean, that might have been the best overtime I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life. That was it, it was incredible, just end to end action. I don't know how Matthews didn't. Score. He had seemed like three or four chances, including a wide open net that he wasn't able was to great, put in. Just Sturkin was amazing. I mean, that's the guy who the Rangers signed in this offseason. They gave him that contract based on his prior workload, maybe a little bit of an overpayment, but you're banking on him being a guy. And so far this season, in the three games that he's played, he's absolutely been that guy. I thought the Rangers were going to be good before the season started. But if you were to tell me that they would already have five points and be tied for first in the Metro, I would not have believed you. Because going in, I thought the Islanders were going to be a much better team right off the bat. I thought maybe if the Rangers were going to get better, it would take a little bit of time. And it's, you know, they're still a work in progress. But even that game against Dallas, what I noticed is Gallant is a different type of coach than Quinn was. He's switching up the lines. He wants to have some sort of element of surprise there. He likes plugging in Barkley Goodrow wherever he can. That seems to be his guy. Just to wax poetic about Igor Shesterkin, Chris, you said it earlier, 40 saves last night, .949 save percentage so far this year, most saves of any goalie so far this year. Really just I, I would player. not argue that most saves of any goalie so far is a good stat. I saw yeah, this that, as well. That's, that's Igor Shesterkin has the most saves well, of any goalie. That means your defense sucks because <laughs> he hasn't even played every single game. And how much better than Shesterkin has to be, considering yeah, exactly. that the defense has let him down. I mean, I saw the game against Dallas. There were times where the defense just broke down and Shesterkin was all alone. And he and that up. happened about 38 times during yeah. the Toronto game. It's a good stat for Shesterkin to have. It's not a great stat exactly. as like a Ranger fan or Ranger front office member. Okay, maybe we should stop bleeding shots. But to your point, yeah, right. Shesterkin's been up to the task. Yeah, without a doubt. This team is very, very interesting because my concerns about the entire roster going into it was... Did you add defensive pieces like Ryan Reeves and, you know, uh, although he's not a pure defensive piece, Barkley Goodrow, in order to create more physicality? And they've done that. They've out-hit their opponents more times than not. But to that point, I was concerned it would drown out the offense that you had there. 
and that they kind of weigh down the rest of your pieces. So far, Shesterkin has kind of saved them in the games that they've won. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, when Georgiev gets more games and he plays, because clearly they're going to do this tandem thing where there's no back-to-backs, which is something that Gallant said in his press conference right after the Stars game. He's going to do no back-to-backs. It's going to be Georgiev, then Shesterkin, vice versa, whenever he can. This is going to be purely on the line to see if they can figure it out, and I'm concerned that Gallant's switching it around a little bit too much to the point where your defense is going to suffer and your offensive production is also going to suffer. In which case, Shesterkin has to save the day, which is, you know, he's a great goalie, but you don't want to put the guy in that position every night. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of a concern that the team hasn't gotten used to that because that's what's been since, I mean, what, since the Hank and Georgiev year, 2017? Like, when's the last time a Ranger goalie played 65 games? Since in a while. Hank and Ranta, maybe? Like, a long time now. Right. So you think that this this is a system they've gone with, and they should go with it because they have a really good goalie in Georgiev who is probably going to have to leave at the end of this year. Um, but they, they should go with that. I think I, Ryan Reeves has been a little bit invisible to me. Yes. Goodrow's, Goodrow's been out there. He's been throwing the body. He's taking a couple penalties. He's been very bad in the face-off circle. It's like under 40% in the face-off circle. Um, but he's been doing some things, and the additions have looked fine. Jerry, uh, Patrick Nemeth, I think, is a minus four, which, yeah, plus minus is overrated, but minus four is interesting. But, I mean, the additions have been fine so far, and they I, they beat up on Montreal, and they got lucky against Toronto. So they they have every reason to, to be flying high right now, uh, when after game one, it did not look like they were going to have any reason to be flying high. That was... That was brutal. Obviously, it was six days ago now, but a 5-1 loss to Washington, that was really, really bad. It was very bad, and I I mean, it's. I think it was a concern, honestly, at some point, because Ovechkin has the two goals, and they didn't, they didn't bite back at Tom Wilson. I was surprised by that, personally, that they, not only did they not fight him, but they didn't even really show up defensively or offensively. Um, obviously, that concern has now been a little bit limited because they've gotten points in their last three games. But if if the whole point of this team, Tyler, was to add grit, and because of the Washington Capitals and the Islanders, why did they not show up in Game One? Like, was that a concern to you coming out of that? Yeah, that was a bad look. I mean, at the same time, it is one game. We just talked about with the Islanders, how as bad as they've looked, it's been two games. We're playing, fingers crossed, a full 82 this year for the first time in three years. So you can't really overreact for big games. But just the, the especially the way the Rangers have played in the following three games, they've been the better team. I think Colin, you were at the game on Thursday night. It seemed like people were saying, you know, the Rangers were the better team versus the Stars. They just they got unlucky so especially in the context of that you can kind of I don't want to say throw out the Caps game but take it with a grain of salt all right it was one game with the first coach but I think or first game with the new coach but I think yeah just the background of your entire offseason culminating with this game everybody had this game circled on the calendar since the moment the NHL schedule came out and just come out as flat as they did. They had a, some offensive chances in the first few minutes, but after that, I mean, they really had no answer offensively or defensively for anything the Capitals were doing. So that was a concern. I feel much better. Yeah. Especially last night, the way that they played. Shosturkin obviously still in his head, but I mean, it's tough to beat Toronto in general, especially going into Toronto and holding that team to one goal in more than 60 minutes. So I'm feeling pretty good about the Rangers right now. I think the scoring. 
might be a little bit of an issue. The bottom six, similar to years past, has not really shown up yet. But we talked about it a lot last year, Chris, how this team has been has has struggled coming out of the gate the last two years, and that's a major reason why coming at the end of these shortened seasons, they have either not made the playoffs or had to go through the bubble. This year, five points in four games, I think, especially considering the way that they've started the last two years, you can't really be much happier if you're a Rangers fan. Yeah, I think it's hard and important to not to overreact one way or another on this Rangers team this early. Exactly. The one thing I will say that you're completely right on, they need to score more and they need to get more shots on goal because that was something that I even saw you know, live against Dallas. There were times where they just couldn't get any sort of offensive continuity. They'd get the puck out of the neutral zone, wouldn't be able to get a shot on goal. And you mentioned the bottom six. You know, Drayden Hunt is the guy that needs to play a little bit better. I think I'm expecting more of him than some people because I think he can give more than a lot of people think he can give. And, you know, Ryan Reeves, good addition. Leads the NHL in hits. Invisible at times, and then other times he's looking like a menace to society out there. This is a team that has a lot of potential. A lot of good pieces, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go. I think they do need one more piece. I mean, I know Hurt, uh, Hurdle and Eichel have been brought up constantly as pieces that could potentially help the Rangers down the road. Whether or not they eventually decide to make that happen is another question entirely. The only other thing that I'll add is I think they should name a captain, and I think that captain should be Chris Kreider. Three goals already. He's been there forever. It's his time, in my opinion. I guess they're not going to this season. I mean, we talked about it last week, but it seemed like that announcement was like the official end of the captaincy argument because, and as we discussed last week, not really sure why. Um, we'll move on to the Devils, who have played one game. They played uh, their first game against the Kraken tonight at home. Um, their first game was against Chicago, common theme here, and they won an overtime Jack Hughes six Ellie, by the way. Sick goal, unreal goal and threw a stick into the crowd. Um, this dude just looks like an absolute superstar right now. I'm so excited for the Jack Hughes glow-up year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he looked really, really good. Dougie Hamilton scored on his first shift as a devil, and things are looking good after just one game. Obviously, the Kraken have struggled a little bit, so maybe they'll get a second win tonight. And One game, one win, and one first good segment about the Devils in a while, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, in a while, and they did that all without Miles Wood or Ty Smith, two big yep. pieces, so... And Blackwood's out tonight. Yes. So uh, if we're saying you can't overreact to the Rangers or, De- or Islander starts, you definitely cannot overreact <laughs> to the Devils because it was one game against a not-great team. But a win is a win. And, yeah, Jack Hughes looked great in his first game, two goals. And we talked about in our episode where we kind of teased some potential Olympic rosters and Jack Hughes maybe being a fringe guy who can make the U.S. Olympic team. Well, with Eichel Jack- not getting the surgery now. Yeah, he's not He's not going to be on the he's team. Not, he's not going to be able to make it in time. So if the Devils can get th- that Jack Hughes that we saw in that first game, that's their path to maybe contending for a playoff spot, and if that's that's a path for Jack Hughes to make the Olympic team. I think this team is interesting insofar as that they have the potential to be good, but the Metro is so crowded, I just don't know if they're that good. I think the Rangers have more talent than the Devils. I even think Pittsburgh has more talent than the Devils, especially with Tristan Jari playing halfway decent even after he collapsed against your Islanders in the playoffs last year, Chris. <laughs> he did look really good in game one. I don't understand. I was watching that game <laughs> like, against the Lightning. What the hell? And I did not know it was Tristan Jari for the first 
20 minutes because he was actually making decent saves and didn't melt down. No, he, he didn't played. hand somebody a goal. <laughs> he played a great game, and he's looked good so far. I'm just not sure the Devils are as talented as some of the other teams in that division. I mean, I know they have some guys that can play. We mentioned Jack Hughes. I really like the Graves and Hamilton pairing. I think that's going to be something nice to watch as the season progresses. But I just don't see them as a great hockey team. I like Jonathan Bernier in net, too. 24 shots, 24 saves in that game against Chicago. But again, I think this is a team of they're good, but there's definitely a ceiling here. Yeah, there's definitely a ceiling. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they could be a lot of fun this year. I think they'll finish seventh in the division, but... Yeah, probably. It could be. I mean, could be a good seventh. Like, unless be competitive. unless either Pittsburgh or Washington has an absolute free yeah. fall, which is possible, or the Rangers have an, any of the teams yeah. have an absolute free fall. But yeah, I, I tend to agree. They open the season with one, two, three, four, five home games. They got Seattle, Washington, Buffalo, and Calgary left on this five-game homestand. So, I mean, they could come out of that realistically four and one. They could. Right? They could beat Calgary. Oh, Calgary's absolutely. not very good. So, I mean, if they're 4-1 and one going into Pittsburgh for their first road game, then all of a sudden you're talking about something. But, yeah, um, definitely definitely a, lot of, a fun start from the Devils. Okay, nobody cares about any of that because this is my favorite segment in the history of the world. Tyler's already laughing at me. <laughs> I, do, I don't know why I hate the Blackhawks so much. I just want to put that out there. I actually didn't hate the Blackhawks during, like, the Dynasty era. I thought they were fun. Patrick Kane, American. Jonathan Taze was always fun to watch. I hate this team um, <laughs> because there were so many expectations around them for adding terrible players. Um, Seth Jones is objectively bad. Marc-Andre Fleury won a system Vesna last year, and Robin Leonard will contend, as much as I ro- love Rob- love Robin, um, he's going to contend for a Vesna because of a defensive system and Alex Petrangelo uh, and Shea Theodore. And Chicago just didn't understand that. And then they traded for Tyler Johnson, who's getting overpaid, and everybody was like, playoffs. It's like, no, this team is bad. They're 0-2-1. They've looked really bad in all their games, especially that first game against Colorado. They gave up two goals in about 12 seconds to start the game. And I just texted Tyler. I was like, LOL Chicago. And we've kept sending LOL Chicago back and forth to each other for like a week now. We, I, I, don't, I can't really explain to you. It's not, not, it's not anything to do with Chicago necessarily more than the reaction around the moves. Where everybody was like, this is so great. And I'm just sitting there like, this team is still bad. They're bad. And if the Islanders don't win tonight, I'm going to have to eat my words. I know. And I'm just setting myself up for failure. The Islanders need to win tonight. They're so (laughs) bad. And the best text I've ever gotten was Tyler responding to the LOL Chicago. like, how many times are we going to do this? And I said 82. So if they don't (laughs) win tonight, I look like the biggest moron in the history of the world. But they're so bad. Yeah, the only the only Chicago Blackhawks hockey I've watched this season, I, I watched that first game against the Avalanche, and for a team that you said they they made moves on the defensive side of the ice in this off season, they looked completely lost. I mean, first off, you start off the game with Jack Johnson of all people going bar down. Wait, was it Jack great... or Eric? It was Jack. It was Johnson. Jack. Oh, okay. it was Jack Johnson. Trust me. He so... went bar down on a breakaway where like three Blackhawks were going for a change. I think two of them ran into each other. It was just a calamity of errors. And then, yeah, they give up two or three goals in that first period. There was one point where I think the Avalanche had like six or seven shots in a 15 second span. They were just firing pucks at the net and the Blackhawks just could do nothing about it. It was incredible that Fleury didn't give up a goal in that sequence. So I think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to have a really tough year. Not not as much as he's you know going to play poorly, but he's just going to 
we talked. I'm surprised he doesn't have the most saves in the league because he's just <laughs> he's, they were firing pucks at him in that game. The Blackhawks have completely lost defensively. I feel so bad for Mark Andre Fleury because I really like him as a goaltender. I think he's had a great career. I thought he was great in Pittsburgh. I thought he fell off there for a while, and he went to Vegas, won a Vesna. Coming into the years, you guys know I did the West preview. Yes, I thought did. Chicago was going to make the playoffs. I'm still going to hold they still on could. to that. I'm still going to hold on to that because I think they have enough pieces. And I'm going to say that very lightly because these are all kind of like nuts and bolts players that can It's like a you. puzzle. It's like a right. thousand-piece puzzle, and there's only like 650 pieces in it. Right, like like that. that's what they are. They're so incomplete. Like I'm expecting more from some of the guys in that, like Tyler Johnson, Seth Jones. I expect more from those guys. I expect more from Patrick Kane. I expect more from you know guys like Marc-Andre Fleury. Who's going to have time, but, you know, if his defense isn't helping him, that's going to be really hard for him to keep in these games and help them kind of get to the finish line. Kevin Likinen, he was okay in the last game they played. I mean, it was, it's just a frustrating team because, as you said, Chris, they made moves that really there were two groups of people. Either it made so much sense that they're going to make one last run with the old guys or just head-scratching moves. You saw it that way and you said, you know, it doesn't make sense. They're going older instead of going younger. And this is a team that's, again, they're not good. But because they're in a weak division, they have a chance to scrape into the cup playoffs. I think they'll end up doing that still. I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. But this team is definitely not good by any stretch of the imagination. And I do feel bad for Flurry in one sense. He gets pulled after giving up four goals in the first period on eight shots uh, in Pittsburgh, too, which, which is unfortunate. Did you see... We'll move on from the Blackhawks, I promise. Did you see the goal that Lankinen gave up where he was just, like, standing behind the net and the puck was out in front? Yep. I believe I, I, it I was didn't bad. see the highlight, it's but just I saw a, still a picture image. of it. I saw it's the still image. Incredible <laughs> still image where it's just the puck is, like, being battled for and Lankinen is just standing there, like, not making an effort to get to the net. <laughs> He's just like, oh, interesting. The puck's going past the goal line. Um, yeah, interesting stuff there from, from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, moving on from something that will never stop making me laugh to uh, something that's not very funny at all, which is Evander Kane and the 21-game suspension he gets uh, for a fake COVID vaccination card. Um, there was like a weird rumor about this in the NFL that never caught up any steam. Uh, then this report gets put out there, and the NHL puts the hammer down once they find out that it's true. Um, the, he's suspended through the end of November. I think the first game he can play is at the end, November 30th, I think it is. Here in New Jersey, actually, um, so we'll we'll get to see him on his on their New York trip. But Evander Kane is a man of many controversies at this point. Um, they did not find anything um, confirming the domestic violence uh, reports or uh, allegations from his wife. They, as we talked about before, they did not find anything confirming the gambling allegations that he gambled on Sharks games or NHL games at all. Uh, but this one is the one they find, and they hit him with the 21-game suspension. I mean, a quarter of the season is a long time, but not like not to make light of it, but like they do need to give him time to get vaccinated if he's going to. <laughs> um, so it's not doesn't actually take two months, but like you get the first one, and you got to wait the three weeks, and then you got to wait the two weeks. So it does take a long time. Um, but good for the NHL for putting the hammer down because. This is a guy who could not get out of the news this summer, and then finally, uh, just after the season starts, he gets hit with a quarter of the season suspension. Yeah, definitely good on the NHL for 
laying the law down here. If, if one of us were to have a fake vaccine card, I believe we could be facing jail time. So yeah, I think so. I don't know if anything like that is going to come out of this. I haven't seen it. It is like a federal penalty. It, it, yeah, like it's a legit. Because there was that family who flew to Hawaii. Did you see this? With They, they had a I vaccination yes, card for yes. a kid who couldn't get the vaccine yet. That's how they got caught. And I think the parents went to jail for that. It's oh yeah, you you yeah. you'll go to jail if if you get caught with a fake vaccine card. So I'm not sure if anything more is going to come out of this other than the 21 game suspension. But yeah, it's it's a talented hockey player that just can't seem to get out of his own way lately. And I know you said yeah they they, they couldn't find any evidence of the domestic violence or or the gambling on the Sharks game. But I know there's been other gambling issues with him in the past. Well, he's admitted that. Too. Yeah. So I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire. I'm a believer of that. So just an unfortunate scenario and you hope that he can kind of fix the ship and, and and get his life back on the right path because when he is when he is you know completely focused on hockey he's a very talented hockey player but it's just it's just unfortunate to see him constantly in the news for the wrong reasons good on the nhl though for handing that suspension fake vaccine card after what everyone just went through for what feels like two years easily can't say enough. I mean, good on them for giving out a punishment for something that really is quite a stupid thing to do in the first place. Yeah. It's, yeah. Different, it's different than, like, I, I make fun of Kyrie Irving all the time in the NBA <laughs> for not wanting to get back. This is different. Oh, it's, way, is, oh, it's so different. This is very stupid to just have a fake vaccine card and hope that no one's going to catch you on it. Yeah. This is way different in my mind. It's a little bit more malintent. Definitely. And Tyler, you're right. Yeah. When there's smoke, there's fire. This guy was going to get caught for something. And they might have got. They might have caught him for maybe the worst thing, other than the domestic violence. Allegation. Yeah. How do you think that's gonna work? I feel, I feel what do you like, mean? Like, how do you give them a fake card and think, oh yeah, I'm gonna get away with this? Well, so I, so from what I've heard, I heard somebody talk about this on a podcast where it's like, the vaccination card. It's like not the hardest thing to fake in the world because it's like you could get a real one and write it in, write it in. and they'll never know. Um, so whether he got duped and it wasn't a real card and it was a fake card and that's how they found out or he did miss because like the family who went to hawaii this was over the summer this family goes to hawaii they had younger kids and they had vaccination cards for the kids but they were under the age of 12 so they couldn't get vaccinated at that time and that's how they got caught or they gave him moderna and they were 13 and they only could whatever it was and that's how they got caught but there were real cards they would never have gotten caught if they just did it correctly so from what I from what I heard, it it is a little bit difficult to get caught. That's what, I, but I, I got I got the shot, so I don't know. I, I didn't have to worry about <laughs> it. I got the shot in April. I was like done. I didn't have to worry about that. But anyways, that 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 was what I read for from both stories. That like this isn't that difficult to do. But I don't know. I mean, is San Jose one of the cities where you have to? Because you mentioned Kyrie. There's also Andrew Wiggins who ended up getting the shot, who plays for the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, that's in San Francisco where the mandate was in and he wasn't going to be able to play in home games. But I guess the mandate isn't in San Jose, so I guess he doesn't have to get the shot technically. He can wait out the 21 games, not get the vaccine, and go and play. So we'll have to see. They're not going to tell us if he gets the shot, though, or not. (laughs) No, probably not. Probably not. Very interesting stuff. All right, the last thing before we get out of here, our first impressions of the two new television networks, which I think has been a lot of fun. I was not able to watch the TNT pregame last week because I have a night class on Wednesdays, but thankfully it got canceled this week, so I'll be able to watch it tomorrow. Um, although I did see the highlight of Gretzky and Barkley. That was pretty funny. I thought ESPN rocked on Tuesday. I thought they were awesome. The 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 set outside, Messier and Chelios. I thought Messier was better than Chelios, but 
thought they were both good, and the broadcast sounded good, and I thought the my only criticism of either one was the TNT one felt like the Wayne Gretzky show, which <laughs> I get, but at some point it was like, all right, we got it. And the Caps wouldn't stop scoring when they had well, Gretzky that... on the TV. Uh, our <laughs> colleague Mike Messina tweeted that out. He said, get Gretzky off the TV. The Caps won't stop scoring. <laughs> <laughs> the best was, so like they, they'll play the cuts like of the Kenny Albert like call or whatever, and the cut that they released for the one of the goals was just a blank sound like was just like sound of like people skating and hitting each other and then the the horn goes off and Albert goes goal and everyone's like why did that happen and then somebody who was watching I think I heard this on the fan somebody who was watching was like oh yeah Gretzky was talking when that happened they must have taken it out because it would make no sense he was in the middle of a sentence um yeah that was interesting but yeah Gretzky on the broadcast I don't think I really need um I thought Barkley was hysterical personally People didn't like it. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, but he's obviously not going to be there every week either. So I think that this week coming up, which is Boston-Philly tomorrow on TNT, um, is going to be more of a representation of what it's really going to be. But I'm excited for tonight's game on ESPN. Yeah, I thought they were both great. The only thing I didn't like, I believe it was ESPN, they had that weird camera angle. Oh, I loved it. Oh, I did not like that. It was making me dizzy. Interesting. I didn't like that the camera was like moving. Interesting. At this, I, I, yeah. NBC did it a few times where like off of faceoffs they would have yep. the camera behind the goal, but they would only leave it for a few seconds, and I felt like the camera was pretty stationary too. I didn't like the fact that the camera was moving at the same time and and the puck. I could see how some people would like it. I just personally did not like it. I like the more traditional view. But besides that, I I thought both broadcasts were great. I think ESPN's doing the best job of the two between them and TNT, but I think that's also because of the relationship they have with you know their own streamer, ESPN+. Plus. I think they're doing a very nice job of making NHL more mainstream and offering things that are supplementary to the actual games themselves. Like, they have in the crease. They have the point. The point rocks. Right. You I guys should it. watch the point. It's great. It's awesome. And every day now, I'm, I'm making a habit of watching in the crease as well. Just get the highlights. You get around the league. It's great. It's something that is more accessible now than it ever was before. And, you know, I loved NBC. I'll be the first to say it. I loved watching the playoff games on NBC. I will never forget that theme every spring, turning on my TV and listening to Doc Emmerich and getting ready for some Bruins or Rangers hockey. Uh, It was just interesting to see now that it's an ESPN property and it's being treated with a little bit more care than it was at NBC. Because you got to remember, NBC has other properties, too, that they kind of value more. It's easy to see that they value the NFL a little bit more than they ever valued the NHL. And I think it's really getting a nice treatment at ESPN. It's about time. Yeah, I, I agree with what was said there, where it's like it was also nice to not have to watch like the last 30 seconds of bull riding before putting up, before the game came on, too. <laughs> or like vintage cars. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the car shows were classic, dude. Classic 630 NBCSN programming was the, was the car shows. It's a good call. Um, ooh, I had something. I like the, sl- the uh, radar. Above the goal. Did you see that on TNT? They had the slap shot um, miles per hour. I like that, too. Just, like, little wrinkles and just, like, uh, showing showing the new stuff, I think, I think personally is a lot of fun. Um, I feel like I had something else, but I don't know. Um, yeah, so the Islanders on, on ESPN tonight should be a lot of fun. Um, man, I can't remember what I was going to say. It's a tough way to end the podcast. That is a tough way to end. <laughs> it's a tough way to end the podcast. What um, was it about... Uh... The Jay Beebs intro to ESPN? That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. I 
thought it was great. I loved when you said, like, oh, I hope he sings. And I was like, I don't think he's going to sing, but, like, that'd be so cool if he did. He didn't sing. Uh, if you if you missed it last Tuesday, you should definitely go watch it because I thought it was really, really cool um, the way that was done and, and their intro. And TNT's intro, I actually, because I watched that on YouTube later, was really good with the outdoor ranks and Gretzky and that whole thing. I thought it was very good. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a lot of fun all around, and it was, it was yeah, as I said, it's very nice to not watch bull riding and vintage cars at 6.59 and be able to get be able to get some sports center in before, <laughs> before the puck drop. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yes. Saturday is the Kraken's first home game against Vancouver, and it's on ESPN Plus streaming exclusive. So they have these 75 games that are exclusively on ESPN Plus and Hulu. So if you don't have one of the two, you can't watch the game. And Kraken Home Opener is one of them. That makes no sense. Well, so so this was part of the deal. And I think it's it, it sounds dumb now, but it's going to end up being more mainstream because I think Thursday Night Football is going to go this way with Amazon Prime next year where you can only get it on Amazon Prime. So the NHL is doing this with ESPN+, Plus, but it's only for 75 games. I think there's one Islander game that is that. There's definitely multiple Bruins games. Um, and, one of, and the first one is tonight, Avalanche Capitals. So if you don't have ESPN+, Plus or Hulu... And even if you're in Colorado or Washington, you cannot watch Avs Caps tonight. And for some reason, they're doing that with Saturday's cracking game, which has caused a lot of controversy because it's the first game. I I don't know if it's because they have college football on ESPN at 10 o'clock on Saturday night, which they would, theoretically. But, man, I don't love that decision. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with that at all. Why would you? That's the Kraken home opener. I feel like you would want as many eyes to see that as possible. And so, so people in Seattle who don't have ESPN Plus or Hulu, they can't watch the home opener. Bingo. That makes no sense either. If you can't get it on national ESPN, why not just have it on the local television? That may well because they're sure trying to get people it. to buy ESPN Plus. I don't like that. It's a good business move. It is a it's, it's a, a deep, very savvy yeah, business move. Mickey, Ma- Mickey for... Mouse is very smart <laughs> working for ESPN now. I think it's going to work long term the relationship with the ESPN Plus. But I, you're right to the point where, why is the market that's affected not going to be able to watch their home opener? I think Hulu saves it because a lot of people have Hulu. A lot of people right. do. A lot well, of people have Hulu. Well, now there's that nice bundle with Hulu. Oh and yeah, ESPN that's true as well. Yep. I'm going to be investing in all three soon because I I think that's. Streaming is where this is all going. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And no, that, and I think cable we, is it's done. It's way it's out. Done. Yeah. Mike and I talked about this when the when the deal came out. That was the main negative, and I was like, "So what? It's all going to be like this in like five years. By the end of this deal, every game's going to be on there exclusively. So like, who really cares at the end of the day? Um, that might be an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. And but it just it, when you're doing it in the first year, I think you have to ease your way in. So picking a big game, Colorado Washington, I actually kind of love that. Get a game that's like, ooh, I want to watch that game, and I can. So I'm going to buy ESPN Plus. It's like 70 bucks for the year, whatever the price is. Um, but to do that for a home opener of a new team when you're trying to grow a fan base, I'm not a big fan of, um, but what are you going to do? Um, I'm glad I remembered that because um, now we do have to, unfortunately. Ooh, I hit the wrong button. Uh, we do have to wrap it up. Um, lots of fun this week. We got big games. Game of the week, by the way, Montreal, Carolina. I think it's tomorrow or Thursday. And it's in Montreal. It's a game to watch. Edmonton, I think, plays Vegas too, which should be fun, but that is the game to watch. The year return of Jesperi Kakaniemi. Okay, so that's it for this week for Tyler Mooney, Kyle Rock, Kyle, Colin Lockring. Excuse me, my goodness. 
I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>